Is there such a thing as feeling just too sad to record an introduction to a podcast? You gotta be down bad for that to be the case, but the answer might surprise you. Hello everybody, welcome, welcome back. It's nice to see all of your smiling faces once again in podcast land. This is the Anhedonic Headphones Podcast. I'm Kevin Krein, aka Kevy Fly, and you know what? Your boy has run out of whimsical rhymes to work the episode number into uh, to bestow upon you at the start of each episode. So all you get today is the sixth episode of season seven, or it's episode 42 overall since the beginning of the program. I will save all of the fine print for the ending of the program today. My guest today is a young woman who is a lover of books, films, and more importantly, music. But we talked about all three of those, as well as how one becomes a YouTuber, because that is what she does, though she's on hiatus, as we find out. But uh, this is another example of a guest that I just uh, followed on social media, sent a blind inquiry into their DMs, and then they agree to be on the show. So as you are able, please put your hands together for a warm welcome to my illustrious guest, Nicole Feagan. Well, thank you so much for doing this and for taking time out of your day um, in like basically the middle of the day to 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 chop it up with a an internet rando who invited you <laughs> onto a podcast. No worries. I, I literally like I love talking about music so much. Like I, if you like, if I. This is like a dream. This is. I feel like you're doing me a favor because you're giving me somewhere I can just talk about stuff that I love for for however long you record for. Um. Yeah. So for the folks in podcast land who might not be familiar with you and what you do, um, do you want to give a quick introduction and then we can kind of get into the songs you selected and specifically like how you compiled the list together? Yeah. Hi. So uh, my name is Nicole Feagan. Um, I for a while have been or was making YouTube videos um, about like music and books and film. I'm on like a small hiatus, but they're all still there. Um, and yeah, I just, I listen to music voraciously um, and love listening and talking about it. Okay. And I did want to ask you about the YouTube stuff because I, I noticed you haven't, I know that you've been, I know that you've been very busy outside of like, that kind of a like a an interest in like making videos and generating that kind of a con- like content but are you going to still be doing that in the future or is that kind of done so when you're moving on to something else it's definitely something I want to continue just the type of videos I make might be kind of different so I did like okay. a big end of the year push like my favorite things I listened to, read, watched, mm-hmm. like all of that. I made like a way more videos in January than I ever had. And then I just completely burned myself out. I was like, I'm not even <laughs> enjoying making most of this. Like, so I, I think I will come back. But like, I really like talking about music and books more than anything. But okay. the videos I made about film got the most views. But I think I just have to accept, I'm so sorry, everyone. I want to talk about <laughs> film way less than all of you want me to talk about it. So a rebrand is coming, hopefully, okay. in the coming months. And I did want to ask, so I, I mean, 
how do you get it? Like, I mean, I, it, no one's going to want to see my dumb face in a YouTube video talking about music or anything like that's why I have a, I have a face for radio and which is, that is why I do this podcast. How do you get into being a YouTuber? Like, how does something like that happen? Because that is like a world that I know nothing about in terms of how one launches that finds an audience how you make the videos it sounds super labor intensive like yeah so I, how, I, how, what brought you to to that avenue of the internet as a means of letting people know what you were into and like engaging with folks about that so i feel like my answer to that could be like its own hour of talk but like the very <laughs> the very basic um so i actually started making videos uh when i was in the eighth grade okay. um most of those are private um the movie eighth grade of really spoke to me um but yeah so i youtube was like the very first social media i really got into like i was watching a lot of the early british uh vloggers like charlie mcdonald and like a lot of the scene um we don't speak about anymore and then like i got into the vlog brothers and like just a lot of that like you make a four minute long video talking about your life something funny i was watching a lot of that and i was on tumblr again at the same time like um seventh eighth grade and you know not super well known on tumblr but like the community i was in like harry potter glee doctor mm -hmm. who and like the bookish community it was okay. a very tight-knit community so i just started making little vlogs and again most of those are private because none of them are good so i did that um and like didn't let my real like my home friends know for most of middle well, all of middle school and high school and then didn't make videos for a few years and then when i started like um i don't know had a smallest mod like most moderate twitter presence and then you know in uh, with the pandemic um i had so much less to do i was like maybe i'll start making videos again and at that point i had gotten really into I, I was already into books and i had gotten very into um music and film so i was like why don't i just talk about the stuff that i love my first few videos are definitely more in like the book community there's a very big booktube community if you've heard the phrase yeah um yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, wa I watch a lot of booktube, but that's like, I'm, I, that consumes a lot of my time. So I started with that and then realized that, you know, like people also would like to hear about what I think about film and music. So yeah, I just kind of took, you know, I learned the skills, like very basic editing stuff and like filming stuff from when okay. I was in middle and high school and just continued on with it. Okay, cool. Um, well, you have selected 10 songs here and... What kind of order did you put these? Because I think you kind of labored over the order a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I knew I wanted to do this like chronologically okay. in terms of my life. So this okay. is very much in terms of like, um, it, this is kind of like my musical journey, if okay. you will. Okay, I was like, is this, um, is this autobiographical? It, oh, it absolutely okay. is. I'm not <laughs> okay. even going to shy away from that. This is like, these are these are my 10 favorite songs of all time. They're not even necessarily my favorite songs by these respective artists. Sure. Um, it's just like, this is like, if you had to chart my musical journey, for the most part, this is how it goes. Okay.
this is going to be a wild ride. Um, <laughs> so we're, we begin with, uh, Paramore and misery business. And so like, I, I, I was, a I, I really liked Haley Williams solo albums. I was, I missed the boat completely on Paramore because I am in a different demographic wow. age wise. <laughs> and so I remember when they were coming up and I'm like, that is not, I don't think that's for me to listen to, but I've kind of been going back occasionally and been like, well, yeah. I think I maybe missed out on something. But so what, what time frame are we starting in here and kind of how, how did this one get on the list, especially as the opener? So I consider Paramore to be like the first quote unquote real musical artist I was into. Um, obviously, like I, w- I was into, you know, when I was in elementary school, I was listening to like a lot of the Disney stars. I really loved sure. Demi Lovato. No shade on like Demi Lovato, Miley Cyrus. But like I was kind of, you know, my interest was Disney Channel first, music second. Um, and then, you know, a lot of YouTube musicians, too, who like you would never be listening to them unless you were watching their YouTube videos. Um, and then. As a young kid, as many people do, I played a lot of Guitar Hero, um, Guitar Hero World Tour that had Misery Business on it, very exciting. Um, and I liked the song from that. And then um, when I was in the fifth grade, I have no idea how old I'm, I am in the fifth grade. I just know it was the fifth grade. My family went on a trip to London um, and we were at Harrods, that like very big famous department store. And in the CD section, they were having a sale. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> let me buy, like, I'm, you know, I have no actual money, but you know, like my parents have given me like $20 to spend or whatever yeah. at Harrods. And so I bought Riot, um, mm-hmm. Paramore's second album. And I don't even remember what it was called, but one of Pink's albums. Um, there you go. And so like Riot is basically like the first album I ever bought myself, I consider it. And like, I loved it. And so Paramore really was like my obsession for, the first you know like really my first ever like musical obsession when their third album brand new eyes came out um i bought the cd and took the lyric booklet out and during recess uh, i was just memorizing the lyrics uh, <laughs> so uh misery business is on here because yeah that was like the first paramore song i ever heard from guitar hero and like without that i never would have bought that cd and like never really would have gotten into like the first kind of music i ever really liked which was all that pop punk scene like yeah. them and fallout boy and my chemical romance and panic of the disco so that's where it all started
do you still yeah. ride for Paramore? Like, is this something you return oh, to now as a, an, a, an adult? Percent. Okay, okay. Yeah, and it's shocking because um, I guess there is going to be shade here. <laughs> panic, has, panic has gotten so much worse. Uh, Fall Out Boy <laughs> has gotten so much worse. And like, uh, some of their stuff, like some of their stuff, holds up. But I even th- well, first off, Paramore's gotten progressively better. Their most recent album from a few years back, After Laughter, I feel like isn't my personal favorite, but might be like maybe objectively their best and certainly got like a good critical reception. And even like, I feel like even going back to like stuff on Riot, to me, that holds it better than like when you go back to like, um, who can I name? Like Vices and Virtues or whatever by Panic at the Disco. Um, So like, not only do I like still, I I still think they're earnestly very good. And I love Haley Williams's voice. Like I love what she, she did. Like I, them I, I would say there was a part of the fact that it was like a female fronted group like doing rock music mm-hmm. that was exciting but even like that aside she's also just like so talented it's not just that she's a woman she's like an exceptional vocalist so like i i still would a thousand percent ride for paramore like okay. any day of the week cool what have you heard from them i'm curious like I, where is your paramore knowledge my paramore knowledge is very limited because when Haley's solo album came out two years ago I was really into it and I went back and I just started doing like I on Spotify did like a like this is Paramore playlist mm-hmm. and I just it was just kind of like misery business and like a couple other the popular songs were yeah. on the list first and that so I never I I have not done a deep enough dive but like I liked this a lot and I I really like pedals for armor mm-hmm. and um I think that I could probably stand to be a little more knowledgeable about Paramore just because I think I feel like I missed out on this because it was popular at a time when it was not music that I was interested in listening to. But I feel like enough people I know and respect the opinion of really talk about Paramore a lot or like Mm -hmm. it holds a special place in their heart that I'm like, I should give this a, I should be more open and give this a shot now because my tastes have also like they've drastically kind of widened within like the last three years. So mm-hmm. it's something that I would consider and probably enjoy or at least yeah. like, find something that I that was compelling. As I opposed definitely to think the, so. Like in the past when I would have been like, oh, pop punk, I'm too pretentious for that. Now I'm like, I'm like, give me all that Carly Rae Jepsen. Give yep. me all the girl pop. I give me all the give me all the emo back that I listened to when I was eighteen. I yeah. I want it all. Surprises 
we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit in time to with uh with Sufian Sufian mm-hmm. Stevens and the only thing and was how of all of his material kind of this is one of his I I am going to say recent but I mean, this is from like 2015, 2016, so it's not mm-hmm. really that recent in retrospect, but like, how does this one end up on the list and kind of, is this your access point for him or how long have you been following his output? So that re- this really is kind of, um, that kind of was my entry point to okay. him. So I, Paramore's on there because like really my music taste was very kind of static um from yeah like from the fifth grade to like the 11th grade let's say for six years I was really riding that pop punk and kind of like music that I thought was indie music at the time that I realized now oh my god like I was like really into Bastille and Imagine Dragons and Mumford and Sons which I do not really um uh abide by anymore so like that really lasted a while and then um I went to this writing camp throughout high school and one of my friends performed Chicago at um like at a talent show. Oh, okay. And he, he was just always telling me like, hey, I think you'd really like Sufjan Stevens, whatever. So like I'd heard some scattered songs, I think from like Seven Swans. And then I listened to, I'd never do this anymore, but I listened to Carrie and Lowell like throughout the day while I was like driving to and from places. And I remember I heard the only thing for the first time at like, 11 p.m. driving home from my best friend's house. I remember exactly the light I was at in my hometown and I just like started crying. Um, So I, he's really like the next artist, like that, I'm gonna say some like weird music snob elitist things right now. Um, I feel like he was my entry point into what I'm gonna put in so many air quotes, like real music, um, which which obviously means nothing. But that, that means nothing and I don't even believe that because there's no such thing as yeah. unreal music. Yeah. But like in, in the world of like stuff that's gonna get highly rated on Pitchfork or whatever the fuck, like Sufjan was the first artist that like really uh I, I yeah, like that I feel like is widely massive, like has massive acclaim or whatever. I'm, like using, um, I'm using air quotes to say like adult music, like yeah, music for yeah. people who are like over a certain like over twenty-two or whatever. Exactly. Again, yeah. I don't that's not necessarily an opinion I firmly hold if that means anything, but like you you pick up what I'm putting down. I feel returns to you somehow. I wanna save you from your sorrow. Faith 
I mean, this is so sparse and somber also. It's like mm-hmm. definitely a different vibe. So it's more of like a, there's a maturation in your musical taste and development yeah, and I think at this point. I, I think it makes sense because like, uh, I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna have to equate these even though like they're so actually different. Like I think the spark in me that liked a band like Mumford and Sons, like liked the more, you know, like a, a folk sure. thing going on. Like that really appealed to me in sequences. I, I think I I listened to a few stuff like to some stuff from Seven Swans before I heard Carrie and Lowell. Not like really like um, the dress looks nice on you or um, I think there was another one I used to spin all the time. But like that really that was kind of like my entryway. But Carrie and Lowell just completely opened up for me and that like I then listened to all the time like my freshman year of college. Um, not even in a way that like necessarily a lot of the you know. I know a lot of people really connect with that album, like because of its, um, you know, like discussions of grief and life. Yeah. And I don't even know if I was prepared for the lyrics at that time, but like sonically, how it made me feel, like it was a very, I, that's an album that really feels like the color of its al- like the color of its album art, like that particular gray blue. And I think that was something that was like a very comforting feeling for me at the time. Who like I'd had a very turbulent little high school and the experience and coming out of it like that album although it is so sad felt very calming to me um so it just like totally found me at the right place do you return to that a lot like because i know sometimes if you i mean you have such like precise memories and things (laughs) attached to this song and this album like in that time in your life is that something that you like regardless of if it's good or bad, is that something you regularly go back to or even want to go back to? Or is this something that you kind of leave in that space? Um, It definitely is something because like, it's still like, that is still like a five out of five album for me. Like it's so good that I do definitely return to it. Okay. And it's also one of the albums, maybe it's beca- like, maybe because of how much I listen to it. Like I really like listening to it in full. It, it's so I almost would go like no album feels quite like that. Like the way he mixes like um, the folk elements and the singer songwriter elements and the way it still is so ambient um, in the background. Like I, I think of like the outros to all the songs on that album. And like, I'd seriously feel like nothing else in the world feels like the way like that album has so much atmosphere. So like, I like to consume it in full and I definitely do. I do return, not like all the time, but I do definitely return to it. It's not like too painful or anything in the way okay. that some other albums are. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was I was wondering if it was one of the ones that you were like, well, this was good, you know, at this point in my life, but I can't ever go back. So it's just going to mm-hmm. sit here. Yeah. <laughs> I, think yeah. Everybody's got a, I think everybody's got a few of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Dirt and the rotten wood, the 
I was going to say, speaking of, yeah. Yeah, uh, Julian Baker. <laughs> uh, this is from her first album. And, which, yeah. by the way, is my my favorite album of all time. I think oh, wow. is what I usually okay. say. Yeah, we're get we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> so, and uh, I remember when this came out, and I remember she, this was like a big deal when this came out because it was. Um, I mean, it was. There's so much weight behind all of the songs, and it is very. It's it's very kind of spectral and sparse and she like right from the rip was poised to be like to grow into the artist that she has become today but so everybody does uh obviously a very light and breezy heart uh you know uplifting tune how do we get to how, how do we get to julian how do we get from sufian to julian baker here and specifically with this one yeah, so this is actually, this is probably like maybe uh, a lot of the other songs in this list like mean something to me, but aren't as like transitional. Like, like this is like the last really, truly transitional moment in like, like th- this like started the path to my current music taste. Okay. Um, so I, like my friend group in college were really, really into, are really, really into music. Um, mm-hmm. So I met them and like kind of got into like, you know, a lot of the online music resources like cataloging what i'm listening to like listening to new albums as opposed to just like you know like having a shuffle playlist like really making that um a hobby and that that really started the end of my the end of my freshman year so you know like i was dabbling around you know like i i I remember a lot of the albums i listened to um like in that period like there was one day i listened to some of Montreal album and some Grizzly Bear album thinking they were going to really be it for me like they weren't um but there was one day that I saw this like list online someone had a lot of albums listed as dream folk I didn't really know what that meant but I was like ah, that sounds like my vibe <laughs> and this, the, the description that this woman had for um for sprained ankle was like this is dream folk but with some emo elements and me you know still coming from my pop punk background I was like okay perfect um so I listened to it I was working at this summer camp at oh the same the same writing camp I mentioned before I then worked there as a counselor it's like this very very intensive counselor job at Duke University for young writers um and I listened to it and that it just like well, it ruined my day, but in like a good way. Um, I mean, in a bad way and a good way. I think. <laughs> so here's no, like what I know. I know exactly what what you mean. I've had many a song do that to me, so I, I get it. You gotta run when you find out who I am. I know. How 
how how emotional can I get on this podcast? You, I mean, so what? this is, I mean, the this is the podcast is a non judgmental place. We are in the trust tree. If you want to divulge a lot, um, you're welcome to do so if you feel comfortable. If you do not, and you just want to be like, hey, this means something big. I'm not comfortable really talking about it. That's okay too. I respect wherever you want to take the discussion. I absolutely do. That's the problem. So I was like the the basic. So like. I think so this whole album really touched me um and I think the reason why like everybody does was really the first one that's no that's no longer my favorite song in this album but the reason that touched me so much like in high school I had like pretty bad depression and like a pretty bad self-harm problem and like drove a lot of people away at various points and hurt a lot of people who really loved me and so this refrain in this song just you're gonna run it's all right everybody does at the time I was hearing it just like to hear, it's one of those things where to hear someone else verbalize the thought that you've had at like your worst moments, like there's nothing more comforting in the world than that. So I think that like to to hear these lyrics from someone who was also so young, you know, she's a little bit older than me, but you know, like th- this this young woman talking about like addiction and mental health and like. So the lyrics really touched me. And then what I love so much about that album, especially in retrospect, having heard Julian Baker's uh, next two albums, is that it's so it's so raw. It so clearly feels like an album made by someone who like didn't expect it to get huge. And like it's just her and the guitar, occasionally a piano, and like her vocal performance is just completely unmatched. So I, you know, like it's one of those things that again on a first listen, and there's so there's so much like female-fronted indie music I feel like it all gets lumped together completely unfairly but also I understand because you know some a lot of it does sometimes sound the same but this just sounded so different because of how like earnest and raw her lyrics were and because she's got the best voice in music so yeah yeah, this like it just it instantly became a favorite and like to this day is something that like I will like hear the songs when they come up on shuffle but like to re-listen to that album in full like really has to be either like a either like a really bad or a really good day. I'm either like reclaiming something or I'm like having a real rough one. <laughs> so that's my, um, that's my Julian Baker story. Okay. I, I totally get like, I really, really got into turn out the lights <sighs> and, yeah. um, and then the, her most recent one also, mm-hmm. I, what I have come to, and some of her like non-album singles, I even like a little bit more. You heard "Funeral Pyre." "Funeral Pyre" is my favorite song of hers. I "Red Door" is, uh, yeah, that one. Who? <laughs> um, have you ever seen? There's this one live video on YouTube of her like playing it in the back of a car, and like it's it's yeah. the best version of that I've ever. Yep. I really love her lyricism and how much violence there is mm-hmm. in all of her songs and i didn't realize that until last year when little oblivions came out and i was yeah writing about it and kind of analyzing her her writing style and i was like she writes a lot of really i mean it's not graphic but it's the depiction is so palpable mm-hmm. and i really appreciate that kind of like very raw nature of her writing regardless of if it's you know just her and the guitar or her and a lot of instrumentation behind her but yeah she's yeah i i mean i love her so much and i'm yeah every album of hers i'm there's something that really like hits me hard on all of them so yeah i totally totally get it she came out with a 
zine. I always want to say zine, but she came out with a zine <laughs> that um, I think you can buy a PDF of online that is the most candidly I've ever seen her like actually discuss her mental health issues that like, you know, I try to stay away from parasocial relationships with celebrities as best as I can. But I do think um, knowing that Julian Baker willingly put this out and getting to read it, um, it like really enhanced, I think, my experience as a fan, just like, first off, she's like a great prose writer too. But yeah. um, I just like cannot recommend that enough to anyone who's like a really big fan of Julian Baker also as person. Um, I think the PDF actually might be free. I think you might just have to buy the physical version, whatever. The are other thing- Are was, there a bunch of drawings? Like, is there like art in yes. that too? Okay, I think it's, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's half um, it's half that narrative. And then the other half is um, like cartoons. Like it's kind of like a, like a narrative cartoon that she did at the beginning of the pandemic um, where she talks about like she was volunteering and just like the whole experience of those first few months. Ladies and gentlemen, we're floating in space. So we're we're switching kind of gears with, uh, I mean, the tone with spiritualized, mm-hmm. and a classic tune, ladies and gentlemen. We are floating in space, and I love the shit out of this song. Um, but how do we get like at what point now that you have gotten into like quote unquote like adult music, air, big air quote energy on my end here? Um, how do we get to spiritualized and this this one specifically? Like, do you listen to a lot of spiritualized or like? space i'm gonna say space rock or whatever like they're technically classified as yeah i absolutely love this album i love this band and i it's it's very interesting like i now listen to this is i feel like pe- when you say this people think you're lying like i do truly listen to a little bit of everything and in fact like my favorite <laughs> my like if you had to ask me like if you had to ask me like what my favorite genre is or like cluster of genres and i know some of these are only like loosely related but like really like where my heart lies is with shoegaze and space rock and like slowcore and like i guess we'll like loop kind of dream pop in there so like things that are like spacey mm-hmm. and 
and dreamy and like noisy in that sense. So I like, see, I, I see you tweeting a lot about shoegaze. And so I was surprised oh, yeah. that there was like no, no like real big shoegazy stuff on the, on the list here. They also like, I, I think because that's so, I mean, there are some shoegaze songs that like mean so much to me. Like I think, you know, uh, Allison by slow dive is like my yeah. third most listened to song on last FM or whatever. Um, but like, I have like fewer, emotional connections the reason okay. ladies and gentlemen we're floating in space uh is here is one um the fact that i like this album really surprised me i actually for for a lot of like my early music listening um i didn't like music that was in any way kind of like really chaotic one of my favorite out al- like probably like yeah one of my favorite albums of all time now is this album called lesser matters by the radio department that's it's like very like noisy dream pop album that I hated when I first listened to because it was kind of like too harsh for what I called my baby ears um and <laughs> so you know like ladies and gentlemen were floating in space <laughs> yeah um no I get it because I I I have a say I have a same kind of a similar thing with um when I hear something it doesn't matter if it's like cha- too chaotic too noisy there are things that I I deem what it doesn't matter at what point in my life I've heard it I say that it was something that I was not ready for at that time. And then sometimes I can come back to it much later, like way later and be like, I am ready for this now. And then Mm -hmm. other times it's like, no, still not ready. Might not be for me, but I'm like, I've put in the effort. So I get it. And also, I also had a very hard time with this album when I first heard it because (laughs) I wanted every song to be like this and not every song Mm -hmm. is like this one. And it's like, it's very disorienting. And so like it took a number of years until I kind of like worked my way into it and began to kind of unpack it and understand it better. Just I think that's what was so surprising to me is because I actually didn't have that experience again. Like after there were so many albums that I did, you know, I didn't like because of that. And then yeah. when I first, when I heard this for the first time, like it's one of the albums I know, like I've heard that was like an instant five for me. And I think it was nice. It was almost reassuring to know that, oh, I actually can like uh, music that is more complex. And especially I was, 
I, when did I listen to this? It reminds me a lot of Providence, which is where I went to college, probably partially because um, I took this class, this music class, I took one music class. Um, it was called uh, From Blues to Beyonce, rock, it, like rock history. It was just, okay. it was just like a, kind of like a history of like popular music. Um, and my, our final paper was, or maybe a, a paper we had to write was like, do a five page analysis of a song. And this is the song I did that on. So like I got to talk about the lyrics and like the music and kind of the way it creates the feeling of both drugs and love through um, like the nostalgic motif of the, uh, the Elvis song, yeah. but also like the absolute building, like the building crescendos and like the, the adding instrumentation on top of it. Um, so like it almost has like an academic, well, it obviously it has like an academic, uh, I have an academic interest in this song and it's nostalgic because I wrote about it, but also like that album has really continued to feel like Providence because Providence isn't, you know, the most like chaotic city but I used to listen to this album all the time when like walking from the train station uh back to my dorm so I don't know it just has like a very very nostalgic feeling to me and again the fact that I liked it so immediately was really gratifying to me and then I feel like that kind of opened up a lot of other you know noisier space rock stuff or even you know noisier noise rock um so that was really exciting do you so what I mean, what is your background? Like what did you what did you major in in college, if oh, you don't yeah, mind me so asking? Good. Yeah. Uh, I was an English and philosophy major. Okay. Um so at, and uh Brown has like no core curriculum. So I really for the most part like just took English and philosophy classes with like a few scattered other things in here. And that music class was one of the only non English or philosophy classes I took. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then you you do write, don't you? Or like you do you, like do you share it anywhere? Like you're what are like are, are, this is kind of tangential, but like <laughs> um what it like what are your what are your interests in with writing or in writing? Yeah, so I um I've been writing poetry also since the eighth grade. I guess that's where a lot of stuff started for me. Um <laughs> and it's kind of, it's definitely, tapered, you know, like I used to write like a lot, like a hundred poems in a year type stuff. None of it was very good, um, but I still do that. And then, yeah, I did, um, I did a lot of creative nonfiction writing, both in, I almost like did like a, my English major was also with, was almost with a creative nonfiction concentration. Okay. Um, but then I dropped that, but I did um, writing for this magazine that I'm so sad. Um, I still can find the archives of the, like of the full issues, but the website server like went down unexpectedly actually last semester. And I still have like friends at Brown House like, hey, uh, where did all the articles go? So like, I can't link to my old writing, but I did, I wrote like some narrative pieces and some like, they have an arts and culture section. So I got to write about um, like, I wrote a piece about like my relationship with The Waves by Virginia Woolf. So very much stuff I feel like essays you'd see on like, someone's substack about like okay. let me let me talk critically about this piece of art but also like my relationship with it kind of like what I've been doing for the last like 35 minutes about this stuff just in an actual prose longer format that's all I that's all I write about like that's, yeah <laughs> I'm 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 like many thousands of words into something before I get to the point and then I still have to like beleaguer the point for many more thousands of words so I I, I like it. I also have written for things that don't exist anymore on the internet and it's really frustrating so because it, it's like uh 
yeah, I someone recently turned me on to the the archive thing to try to go back and find some of it, and some of that worked, and some of it didn't. But I'm I'm like, dang, it's hard to not like. I, I want to be like, hey, I wrote this thing a couple of years ago, but like, it's one of my non music writing related pieces that you should read, and it's like it's nowhere to be found, and that's really mm-hmm. frustrating. I should probably like put it all up like myself or like copy it all over because there's really nowhere to like that's the only real writing I've done for any kind of public you know it's just a college publication but it's the only writing I've done for any publication and it's just can't really find it by googling my name so I should probably (laughs) collect all of it at least I have it Um, grouper and I love grouper but I I'm really like it's mostly like ruins and grid of points that I really like really got into um so I was not familiar with this one but I really I really liked it a lot I listened to it on my walk home today from work and so how like how do we how are we getting from spiritualized into grouper and then like specifically this one so this is um we've got we've talked about my favorite album of all time this is and now album is tough to figure out but this is like without a shadow of a doubt my favorite song of all time um i like almost can't describe what this song does to me um i'd heard like you know i heard dragging a dead deer up a hill first and then just you know like slowly heard other grouper things and this i <laughs> this is such like a pretentious poet thing to say i'm so sorry i've often said that like my my like emotional goal in life is like I'm in search of like perfect exhales. I feel like I'm a very tense person, can be a very anxious person. And like, there's no, there's seriously no feeling in the world quite as good as like breathing out and like realizing it and like having that moment. And like this song just feels like that. Um, Like it feels like you're with the ocean waves and it feels like everything. I'm actually going to, so there's this experimental filmmaker named Paul Clipson. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. He mostly like he did a lot of other, I think, other stuff, but he worked um, extensively with Gruber. Um, and he has a few short films that are it's reductive to call them music videos, but basically like the length of the short film is the length of the song, and like his that there's no like dialogue. It's just like it's just camera work and the song. And his I like cannot recommend this enough to any fan of uh, Living or just Gruber's music. Um, but his film kind of so perfectly encapsulates what this song feels like, which is 
this very chaotic filming of like these pink trees like back and forth and then when the refrain comes back of just and my head hurts you get this almost like very still image of like a sunset over water and I just like I almost feel like I can't again I can't describe it in words this song just feels like the calmest moment in the world in like the, the, it's like the eye of the hurricane and life is the hurricane and this song is the eye it's perfect it's it's the most perfect song ever made and she'll never make a better song and neither will anyone else That's my. That's my. What I'm gonna pause it here on the okay, podcast. Okay, like that's that's your hot take, your grouper hot I mean, take. I don't even. I don't even know if I mean that objectively. But I still. I <laughs> can't imagine any song ever touching me the way that this song. Yeah. The, the way that the song does. Cool. Um. I'll have to. I should. Would you recommend a deep, uh, like a really deep dive on grouper, like as um, because as somebody who like kind of does not listen, like who has only listened to a few things. Grouper is an artist that I think if you really like them, then yes, do a deep dive. But if you're ambivalent, probably not. Because there are a few, a lot of her albums that are kind of the same thing, just again, okay. um, which I love because I love her. I mean, there are kind of, you know, like there's the more, like the earlier, more guitar heavy stuff and then the later, like piano heavy stuff. And like, I have never disliked a Grouper album, but I think there are only a few scattered releases that like really stand out above the rest. Like Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill does, Paradise Valley, which is like the EP that um, Headache is on. Um, I, I really love her most recent one. Like there are a few that definitely do stand out. But okay. for the most part, I think her backlog is more of the same, but not in a bad way. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, are you ready to move into the next one? And we're, I mean, we're drastically switching tones here. Yes. <laughs> and this, on of all the songs on this list, this was the one that I was most interested in hearing your connection to because mm-hmm. it is so wildly different and not out of place. Yeah. But I was like, hmm, this is not indie. <laughs> this is not singer songwriter. This is not like, I was like, I want to know about this big, like this big band song that yeah. has found its way onto the list. So Russ Morgan and his orchestra, let's tell me all about this one. Yes. The song is good night. My beautiful. I'm going to try to condense the story. Cause this was also another one that I feel like could go on forever. <laughs> um, so it starts. Um, I actually, I actually wrote a piece about this. I could just be like, go read it, but you can't go read it, whatever. Um, so I watched the shining with my friends, Stanley Kubrick's the shining. Uh, I watched it at some point. I think it was like the, like winter before my junior year. Yeah. Perfect time to watch it. To watch it in a cabin, whatever. And then the night before my junior year, um, I was just like, you know, like looking for an album to listen to. And I stumbled upon An Empty Bliss Beyond This World by The Caretaker, um, which is this uh, like ambient album that takes uh, like songs from like 1930s British dance band groups and like distorts it, uh, makes it feel very haunting, you know, like kind of playing on memory and nostalgia and um memory loss and all of that and like that album immediately hit for me such to the point that like it wasn't just enough for me to continue listening to the caretakers music which i have i've listened to every single caretaker album i can find online which is a whole lot of them um but it really sparked like i really wanted to go listen to the original track so this song good night my beautiful is actually i think it's if you've listened to uh, uh, Bliss Beyond This World, I think it's Leibitz Delay is the song that this is. And like, I think one, because I could uh, listen to it on Spotify, like absolutely like respect to Leland Kirby for not wanting his uh, music on Spotify. I'm totally fine with that. But like being able to listen to this while like in the car or like while skipping around campus was really nice. Yeah. And so to this has, you know, a little bit more life to it than uh, the caretaker's version by design because it's like not intended to have that more, that kind of haunting atmosphere. Kind of also going back when I when I have to tell people uh, what kind of music I like. So yeah, you have the like dreamy shoegazy stuff. I say folk of any kind, and then like the third thing I say is like 
British dance band stuff and then like soul from like the 30s to the 50s. And this isn't quite a perfect representation of like the Nina Simone stuff that I love that we're not going to get to talk about. But like there is this very big element of nostalgia in my music taste where I like I just like the um, I, I like the vibe of British dance band stuff. There's so little to check out, but yeah, it's like I, finding the samples from the caretakers music has just really been an interest in my, of mine because it makes me feel like I'm back in the thirties in a ballroom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny that you mentioned the caretakers. This is the second time the caretaker and the shining has been mentioned on the podcast oh, wow. um, recent, recently. Um, but when I was listening to this, I was like, it gave me those vibes. It, it mm-hmm. didn't like I didn't. It did. It gave me kind of like ear, not eerie because it is not like warbled and distorted beyond recognition. But with like this, this sounds like the kind of stuff that plays at the end of The Shining, and then well, literally, yeah, yeah. And so then I was like, and so it makes sense that you're like, I was watching The Shining and listening to The Caretaker, and I was like, yep, that checks out. And so I, I dig it. I like it. It's literally, yeah, there are like there are like playlists on Spotify you can find of like the caretakers samples and it's like all this stuff from that era. And it's just like it's such a delight to listen to the original versions and hear exactly like exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, not to turn this into a movie podcast, but do you I mean, are you a big do you like the shining? Like I know you are you, Love it. okay. Have you seen the document it's a really bad documentary but the documentary about the possible hidden meanings behind the film 237 yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i've definitely at least seen some of it i used to have it as like a bookmark on my computer being like nicole watches one day and i think i've seen (laughs) at least like the beginning of it maybe not all of it okay it's the theories are fascinating the way it's all presented is kind of sloppy it was on netflix Mm -hmm. for a really long time i don't know if it still is but like the theories behind it's kubrick's confession for faking the moon landing or it's an allegory for the genocide of the american indians but like stuff like that like so I think it's compelling. My wife is a filmmaker, and so she also thought it was really compelling. But we both thought that, like, the execution of the documentary and the way it's kind of assembled is is it it lacks a lot of interest. It's just kind of yeah. like it'd be cool to like it would be a better podcast, I think, or like a better book because it was just like the visuals were just not hitting the way you wanted them to. It was a kind of thing that I, now that you mentioned the details, I was like, oh, I've totally seen all of that. That like, um, it was not a good documentary or a good film, but still something interesting to watch as a huge fan of The Shining. Yeah. So like, yeah. we would never recommend it to anyone other than someone <laughs> who's looking for just to watch some people talk about something that they like.
And this is, yes, I mean, I we're switching, switching gears again. And this was, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I mean, I am not well versed in the group James. And I, I think a lot of people know their big, their big single from the same album. At least uh, that was how I heard of them. Um, mm-hmm. But so sometimes like, how are we yeah. moving into, we're moving from uh dance band music from a bygone era to like, what would you call James? Cause they're not really Brit pop. Like, they're, like jangle, they're jangle pop. Jangle, jangle really pop? Love jangle yeah. pop. That's one of my favorite genres. I, was, I actually, I, uh, a few months ago, I had like a very big, like jangle pop renaissance for me. I like could not stop listening to the Sundays. Um, oh, but yeah, love so this, Sunday. love, love Sundays. The Sundays. But this is my most played song uh, on last FM, which I've had for like, not my entire music, but like it, it's, I've had 67 plays, which is compared to 51 for the sec, like the song with the second most plays. Like really, um, I I don't really, I know that Last FM is a thing. I've never looked into what it is. Like, so uh, what is that? Oh, it just just tracks your listening. You can like, um, it it just like gives you stats. Like it shows you everything you listen to. Like you can go to time to the timestamps and like, you know, like keeps, you know, I can go to, Kendrick Lamar and it says I've listened to his music 115 times like 115 scrabbles or what they're called when you listen to something and you can go okay. see like which album you've listened to the most it just like it just like keeps track of your stats okay I don't know if um, I'd want that because it would probably be it would probably pull up some really dark things it would be like you good everything okay <laughs> over there and I'd be like no this is a big cry for help what like last fm come help me what do you want I, I think like for the first year of me using it I kind of like fell into the trap of oh I need to listen to music so I have good scrabbling <laughs> it tells you at the end of the week like where you ranked in terms of like the people that you're following so it was like yeah. you listen to music the eighth most I ranked out of nine and it was like fuck I gotta listen to more but like that's I, I've mellowed out from that because it okay. literally doesn't matter
But um, okay, can I read a quote about this song? Yeah, you I may. So, okay, um, I love this song so much. It means so much to me. But this is um, a quote that I read somewhere about Brian Eno hearing the song for the first time. I think this is like the guy from James. Here's the quote. It's very long. I'm so sorry. Um, we jammed it in our rehearsal room, at, at, rehearsal room at Beehive Mill in Manchester. We knew it would be a big song, so we sent the demo to Brian Eno. Everyone wanted to work with Eno, and they still do. He rang me up at 9 o'clock in the morning and said he'd record with us. Sometimes was the main song he talked about. I hadn't got the lyrics for it at the time. I had the bit about the boy who wanted to be struck by lightning, but no chorus. In the studio, I had to keep telling him I wasn't ready to record it yet because I hadn't finished the lyrics. We had this layout where we're in a circle around him with the recording console in the middle of the room. Eventually, we say, okay, Brian, we're ready to record sometimes. I'd got the chorus ready, and I hadn't told them. While we were playing the start of the song, just waiting to see what I'd got, I sang the chorus, and he kind of went white and sat down while we were playing. I thought, oh, shit, he doesn't like it. When we finished, he didn't say anything. He had his head in his hands on the desk, and we all crowded around him, and eventually he looked up and he said, I've just experienced one of the highlights of my musical life. We went, whoa, we were completely blown away that someone we held in such high esteem could have such a physical, tangible reaction to that song. His reaction was one of our highlights of our musical life. So I think the reason wow. I love that quote so much is if you like look at the lyrics of sometimes it, it's two completely different songs. It's like the verses are about this boy who's going out to the rain and like maybe getting because he wants to get struck by lightning. And then the chorus is just sometimes when I look in your eyes, I can see your soul. I just got goosebumps saying that. And like, for some reason, like the fact that those like, that the chorus almost seemingly has like so little to do with like the quote unquote narrative or even yeah. plot of the song, like is so, so moving to me. Like when you get to that chorus and then the, the song kind of ends with kind of this like gospely, like just like sometimes I look in your eyes, I can see your soul like over and over again. It feels just like, it it, it feels like everything. It like, it's so fully takes over me in a way that no other song does it's why it has the most plays of any song i've ever listened to um i it's my second favorite song of all time after headache and it just like it's something i feel like i would kill to see live so that's my that's my uh sometimes facts is, is, are james still like an active band i, I kind of like, have lost track of them they had an album out last year i've truly only heard like laid the 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 their like big album and there are yeah. like other songs on that album i really like but, like they're not so most of the groups uh that like i'm talking about here like i love the group as well as the song this is just like a favorite song like i really okay. couldn't care less about james other than this okay yeah i remember when laid came out and that was like a big mtv hit when i was oh, wow. very, very very young and um <laughs> I think I had this CD probably from like BMG or Columbia House. <laughs> and I I don't think I like, I mean, I was obviously, I just like, oh, I like this one song off of it. I don't think I ever really sat down with the rest of it, but it seems like an album that I should at least give a little more thought to. You should, because I also like, you know, I also only knew Laid and Sometimes, but when I re-listened to the album, or maybe even just listened to the album, um, there's a song called Dream Thrum on it that like really really like spoke I, I listened to it a lot last fall or maybe it was winter or something so there were like there were some other hidden gems on that okay. album that okay. I, I i recommend giving it another another go another go james again yeah. james a band with a very easily googleable name <laughs>
G and Sugar House. And so how how are we moving ahead from this James tune to Alex G? So yeah, I kind of struggled with how exactly to order these last three because they're okay. in different ways, very indicative of like uh big parts of like my current uh musical taste. Alex okay. G is I think my like he's my favorite current musician currently making music. Um, there's a lot of people I love who like are still making music, but the stuff they make isn't still my favorite. But Alex G, just like every single thing he puts out, I'm excited for and I like. Um, so I getting into Alex G, he was coming like I think I had heard Rocket and then he was coming to Providence. Um, and this was on the House of Sugar tour. This was like at the end of 2019. Um, and so I listened to House of Sugar once and then went to the concert and like liked it a lot. Um but this is one of the, I feel like one of the few examples where like, I didn't start out just like really, really loving. In fact, no, I actually think I listened to Trick first. And I remember I gave Trick like a three out of five because there was like, what I love so much about Alex's songwriting is that like, it it is so simple, but it's still like, I don't play guitar, um, but there's something about <laughs> the chords that feels complex in a way that isn't just like very very simple chord progressions i'm sure someone listening to this is like no you're wrong his chord progressions are incredibly simple but like when i listened to trick i didn't like it because there felt like i don't know some like weird dissonance there um but i just slowly fell in love with his music and sugar house live i i think it's my favorite song of his it's another one where like there's just like one line in a song that's um you never really met me i don't think anyone has but we can still be players let sugar house pick up the tab um that just like really moves me this notion really just the first part of that lyric. Yeah, um, you yeah. never really met me i don't think anyone has and that song so house of sugar is yeah like the, the best album of the 2000s i'm even going to say of the millennium uh, no i'm not going to say that but it's <laughs> Um, I literally, didn't I say less than like 30 minutes ago that Sprained Ankle is my favorite album of all time? I just think that like House of Sugar is this perfect mix of like a lot of like singer-songwriter, I'm going to say trends, but just like singer-songwriter elements and like the way he weaves in the like psychedelic elements. And again, it's something that I feel like these songs in someone else's hands would be so much more boring. And then like, I think he was my last concert pre-covid and my first concert obviously we're not post-covid but like he's the first concert i saw again um and that was oh, when things months. were opening back up again i'm yeah, using big air were, big I, air yeah, quotes there exactly <laughs>
so funny seeing him the first time was again, I'd only really listened to Trick and uh, and the, the Rocket, which I feel like are more folksy compared to some of those stuff. And what I saw when I was there was like this massive rock concert. Like he is such like a, he's just a guy, but he's also such a performer. Like we, um, I saw the concert like right after the Super Bowl and I think like the Eagles had beaten the Patriots. Did that happen in 20 months? 20, I, you know, happen? you're asking, you're asking the wrong person. I'm not very, big surprise. I'm not very yeah. sport. I'm not very sportsy. I'm not very football, but I, I just remember like Alex was just like, you know, like, cause I saw it up in uh, Boston. He was just like fucking around, like being like a Philly guy. I'm, I'm kind of like rambling here, but I think what I like so much about Alex G is he's so completely nor he's just a normal dude. He's just a guy. He's really like, he's just a dude. But he makes music that, again, like, there's just like a, this is, there's a genetic quoi going on there that I feel like his, his songs in someone else's hands would be boring. And I feel like he's consistently getting better. I like the more psychedelic elements he's had in his more recent music. I feel like you even see that with like, he's got this movie soundtrack coming out. Um, and yeah, the Sugar House Live at the end, it comes at the end of House of Sugar and it feels kind of like, um, it's partly the live element and partly the fact that it's got like a Bruce Springsteen-esque like saxophone flowing throughout the whole song, but it feels like the final drink of the night. Like the bar is closing down and like you're getting like a final like whiskey on the rocks and like it's not a bad night, but it's not a good night. Uh, and that's exactly what the song evokes for me. So I just feel like it's it's kind of an outlier in his okay. discography, but I love it. And that's my long, long, long Alex G ramble. Do you do you listen like what are I meant to ask this with like every single artist and completely forgot? Like what are what's your Alex G? I Alex don't have G? any. I don't. I have no Ooh. point with Alex G. Um, listen and to like some of the, Yeah, <laughs> I I mean a lot of these were just kind of like artists that I see written about, talked about online, and then I'm like. I don't know if this is for me. And there's like, I don't know if you have this happen with you because you listen to so much music, but sometimes it's very overwhelming to mm. be like, do I need to listen to every album that comes out on a Friday? Do I need to yeah. research every artist that I see a story about or hear about? And so I get kind of like, I just can't, I don't have enough time in the day slash enthusiasm to sit down and listen to everything. That or like find other like just keep like I I can only find so many things and so there are many things that I'm sure out there th that I would love and yeah. that I would be well, like wow this is great um but I have not had the time to sit down and and find those all the time like I just I can't always be on the computer researching music and so like there's bands that I just have never pursued yeah like and artists I that, that I have never pursued I really do think how like House of Sugar. I exaggerated earlier, but it's it's in my fave like my five favorite albums of all time. It's like really, it's I know it's so recent, but like it is just it's so easily listenable all the way through. Also, if you do listen to it, the first song is kind of like an intro, kind of. I feel like it puts some people off. Okay, uh, I'll keep that in to, mind. You kind of power through it, and like I really, it's like it's just he's just doing what he does the best of anyone right now, in my Nico. opinion. No, don't really want to die. Die in your eyes I'm still here below the chandelier where they always used to read us our rights I wanna wander through the night as a figure in the distance even to my own eyes 
let you see the river move but now that your evil dreams came through there on your face a row of teeth will come to replace I know you laughed when I left but you really only hurt yourself so we're we're switching gears again here and again the silver Jews are a band that I and I liked this song. I had never sat down and listened to this band. And I, I was familiar with the name, obviously. Like, I've seen it a million times. But this is just something that I never was attracted to for any reason. Like, or I never, like, took that effort to be like, I'm going to sit down and get into this. Or I'm going to find an access point to this one. But so, how mm-hmm. to rent a room. How are, like, we're nearing the end of your list. So, yeah. pretty recent. How do we get to this one? So, oh my god, I you have to understand I literally have like goosebumps just thinking about like David Berman. Um, so first off, and this wasn't always the case, I was I was thinking about this recently. I was like, okay, you know, like you're meeting a new person, you're meeting a new friend. Like, what is like the number one artist that someone could tell me that they're into? And like judging like a friend based on their music taste is so stupid because I have friends that I love who don't have the same music taste as me, and I know people who have the same music taste as me as I and I hate them. But arbitrarily, I think if someone told me they were a fan of the Silver Jews, I'd be like, cool, let's be friends. Um, So I, you know, uh, one of my best friends is just like really, really into them. And I always, you know, like I I heard, I heard um, the Natural Bridge, I heard American Water, they were kind of like a 3.5 out of 5 band for me, like I liked them, but didn't love them. And then um, for their birthday one year I like I there was some guy on Etsy who was selling recordings um for some Silver Jews concerts he had like eight uh eight audio recordings so I bought them and then I realized that they didn't have track lists um and I wanted to know like what was performed on these concerts and they were they were I think it was two or three from 06 and then like five from 08 or maybe vice versa I don't know but I spent like seven or eight hours listening like over the course of a week listening to these concerts to write down the track list and then like also just like writing down some of the quotes and it the process of quote like basically being in the room with David Berman and co for that period of time uh, like it completely opened up their music for me um and like ever since then I have been a Silver Jews super fan and I think there are so many other songs that really moved me um Pretty Eyes was the first one that ever did Drop lines around my body like the shoreline of a lake your laughter But 
but How to Rent a Room is one of the only songs that I feel like confronts a certain kind of parent-child relationship um, that like I feel like doesn't get explored as much in music in a way that I'd like. And also something that I find interesting about the song, like, so it starts, the first two lines of the song are, um, no, I don't really want to die. I only want to die in your eyes. And I like, you know, I'm not someone that like every time I listen to music, I read the lyrics along. So, you know, like I'd always process those two lines because it's such a strong opener. But I always thought that was like, um, I don't know, that was like a love related line. Like, oh, I want to die in your eyes. Like, like, like I want to like yeah. fall, in, fall in your eyes. Like I had just never confronted the actual lyrics of this song. I know it's absurd because like David Berman's lyrics are so astounding that I should be paying more attention to the lyrics, but just had like never actually thought about it. And then reading the lyrics of this and realizing, oh, no shit. He like wishes that his father, his absolute piece of trash father would like forget that he exists. He wants to like die in his father's eyes. I was like, oh, great. Um, my life is ruined. Um, Cause that is such a more powerful. I mean, like it just, it, this, this one just means a lot to me. Um, though also I could not have Silver Jews on here because again, since listening to those concerts, like I've just gone down a rabbit hole of like David Berman's poetry and like Purple Mountains and like listening to everything they've ever done and going back and re-listening to those concerts. It's just like, it's become, it's become a super fandom for me. And like, I just can't, I can't think of a more talented person who's ever been on this planet than David Berman, maybe. That's my yeah. that, 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 that hot take. I'm, today. I'm 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 scrolling. I, I I mean, I listened to this song a couple of times when I was prepping for the show, but I was I, the opening lines did really strike me. Um, yeah. But I am I'm, I'm scrolling these lyrics on my phone because I have way too many internet tabs open right now <laughs> recording this conversation. But yeah, I feel like I feel like I need to really just sit down and make an effort with Silver Jews because mm-hmm. like I I think a couple of years ago I tried. Um, or like a friend of mine asked me about them and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I never really listened because, because she had never even heard of them. Um, yeah. but yeah. So would you, is this, is this album, um, like a good place to start for people who aren't familiar with the band or is there like, should you I, just like dive head first into the whole catalog and work your way around? I feel like this, I actually like recently made a Twitter poll about this because like, <laughs> Uh, you know, the Silver G's two biggest albums are American Water and The Natural Bridge. American Water, notably, um, he collaborated with the people from, oh my God, it has to be Pavement. If I'm wrong about this, I'm going to, uh, American Water, I'm Googling this because if I'm wrong, I'm going, I'm 90, I'm 99.99999% sure it was the people from Pavement, um, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I just didn't want to get that wrong. Um, so he collaborated with the people from Pavement um, on that, but Natural Bridge, he did not. The Natural Bridge, uh, while uh, is also in my top five favorite albums of all time, and American Water is an amazing album, but um, I think that The Natural Bridge gets at gets more closely at like the essence of Silver Juice, and it, like American Water has some of the best songs of all time. It's a perfect album. It's also like five out of five uh, has no flaws, but I think The Natural Bridge, the lyricism there, and just like it feels 
as an introduction, I'd actually say start there because it feels okay. like a very pure expression of David Berman's like musical project. And also, again, I'm I'm rarely a person who like when I listen to an album, I will read the lyrics along because like I'm often multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Berman is such a poet. It's like such a huge part of his lyrics. And I feel like actively making myself sit down with the lyrics and like have it be a full experience of reading while listening uh really opened so much of it up for me so if you have the time i would recommend that okay So we've made it to the end. We've got one last yeah. song and this is so recent. And this was one mm-hmm. of my favorite, this was one of my favorite songs of 2020. Um, Adrian Lundker and every, and anything. And so, I mean, I love this album and I love her solo stuff a lot. I think, she, I mean, she can write a hell of a phrase. There's a lot of really evocative stuff she does with her lyrics. So how are we getting into this one? And like, kind of what was it about this one that you picked last? Like, how is this a stopping point in this journey that we're on? So this is one, um, this is my second most played song. On last <laughs> so to bring it back, I think I mentioned that the other one was on this list. Yeah. Um, this one has 51 plays. Um, so I knew I wanted either an Adrian Lenker or Big Thief song to talk about because they're the other group that I feel like is really exciting me right now like everything that they've put out you know they have five albums not a single one of them has been bad um and in terms of just pure songwriting ability um like alex g i think makes music that maybe i like slightly better but i think adrian lenker is maybe the greatest songwriter we have and i think anything might be my single favorite love song of all time obviously it's like a it's a it's a breakup song because like yeah. and indigo were no longer together but just the way she like describes her past and still continuing love for indigo like um there's just something about the image of um and like the wording of i want to witness your eyes looking i don't think i've ever heard like a pure and more accurate description of like how it feels to love something like to there's so much beauty in witnessing and really understanding how someone else sees the world, both like literally like watching their eyes looking, but I feel like also just like more emotionally, like to to be able to witness how someone else like perceives their world. 
Um, and so like, it's just, it's also, it's a song that I feel like really lends itself to like listening to like five times over. Um, it's one that like, I will, like, I, again, if you, I feel like if you looked at my music stats, you'll often see like, oh, wow. Okay. Six times this night. And then like three months later, okay. Five times this night. That's how it, so it's accumulated so many listens. But um, her voice, she's another person who, again, there's, I, again, this is something I hate, but understand, I feel like women in indie so often get lumped together in a way that men in indie, of course, never do. Um, but with that said, her voice is something that just completely stands out from the pack. And I love, in all of her music, both solo and with Big Thief, the element of, oh, I was going to say imperfection, which isn't right because uh, she's perfect, but like, it's not crisp. It's not clean. I like, yeah. um, I like that you can, you can hear her singing in a way that I feel like a lot of overly produced music. It's like, it, you, I can't imagine the person actually singing. Um, so I just think this is like the best love song of all time. And I guess it's last just cause um, Dragon New War Mountain, I believe in you, the newest Big Thief album. <laughs> Um, I almost asked you to change this to a song from that because like I, that album, that album is so long, like not like excessively long, but it's um pretty long. And I've listened to it in full more times than like any other album the past few years. Um, So like what she's just doing out here with all of her songwriting is working for me. I'm like, it's firing on all cylinders working for me in every single way. And this, I think, um, is this my this this might even though I love so much of Big Thief's stuff like this might be my single favorite thing that the like, song that Adrian Linker has done. Yeah, I um this was the first song that like I a friend of mine would kind of play her off and on um when mm -hmm. we would when we were still working together and um I just was blown away by a how unrelenting this song yeah. is because she like just like it never slows down and she no. does she's like 
it's almost breathless in the way that she delivers the verses. It's just like this sprawling kind of narrative. And then, um, yeah, her voice, it, it, imperfection is not the word I would want to use also, but it's like, there's a, like an honesty to it. Yeah. Because there's not, you're not like, she's not, if she pushes it and it's not quite right, it's like, that's okay. There's like, mm-hmm. it's like, there's like a, uh, I've been writing a lot about this one. I, Cause um, I don't, do you ever listen to Emma Ruth Rundle? Oh my God. Yes. I love, okay. oh my God. There, there are a few songs off of, um, what's it? Marked for death that are yeah. like all timers for me. So um, her most recent album, Engine of Hell is very mm-hmm. sparse. And a lot of the art, like the interview she was doing about it before it came out, she was talking about how she only wanted to do a certain amount of takes and only wanted, and like if she fucked up, she just kept going and they would use it anyway because she mm-hmm. didn't want it to be overthought and overproduced. And so you can hear this kind of like fragile intimacy. Like huh. it sounds like she's in the room with you. And yeah. that's what I like about Adrian Lenker's voice is that uh, there's just like, it's so human like some yeah like what you're saying is like a lot of people sound overproduced sometimes music loses its human quality and it's like this there's still a human connection with the stuff that she's doing mm-hmm. yeah it, you completely hit the nail on the head there yeah. it's just like it 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 it, yeah, it sounds like a human singing yeah it yeah, sounds like yeah. i'm there with her in a way yeah. that a lot of and I feel like even like there are artists I've liked that I've like gone to, I've either seen them live or I've watched live videos and like, it just sounds different. And I'm like, I get it. Cause you know, when you put out an album, you want to have the best version of yourself out there, but it's like, I kind of wish, I, I don't know why, why isn't your live version more similar to what yeah. I'm hearing? So, yeah. but I, I like, God, she's just, she's just so good. Yeah. Um, so we made it through the end of your list. That was all 10 songs. Um, I can't thank you enough again for taking the time to have such thoughtful things to say about all of these and be willing to share and um, putting together such a cool list of, uh, of music and talking about your connection to all of these. So thank you so much again. This was, this was a great conversation. And thank you so much again. Like you might think I'm joking, but like I would, I would record like a 12 hour episode. If you give me like, okay, Nicole, give me a list of 50 songs. This is what you're doing today. I would, I would set out, I'd make the list. I'd have extensive notes and I'd be like, I'm ready. Um, So thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Was it take four? Take five? I don't have a producer, so I've lost count of how many times I've recorded something and then sighed and then deleted it. Hey, that's the end of the show. Thank you again to Nicole Fegan for stopping by and chopping it up with me about music and the tangential nature of our discussion, getting into books and movies. If you are interested in watching any of her YouTube videos about those things and more, you can go on YouTube and search her name, Nicole Fegan. You'll find her channel. She's also on Instagram and Twitter as at Nick Fegan. And that's today's show. That's it for this one. Episode six, baby. Episode 42. You know how we do. (laughs) There, I did it. I rhymed. That wasn't so hard. That actually was very hard. Uh, I have been Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly, your boy. And this has been another episode of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It is, of course, the audio extension of the award-winning music website, 
anhedonichedphones.blogspot.com, which has been taking the fun out of music writing for nine years. If you like what you hear, or if you're even, like, kind of vaguely interested in what you hear in like a, in like even like just like a passive way feel free to follow this podcast like it subscribe to it all the things that people do with podcasts you can get updates that new episodes are arriving you can follow me on social media on twitter and instagram as at kevy fly um i hope you're all doing well out there in the world because it's not easy, that's for sure. But I hope this finds you as well as you can be. Uh, please continue to stay safe, despite what people might think the pandemic is sure not over. So please continue to wear a mask. Wear two masks if you can. Um, I know it's uncomfortable, but I also don't want to get Rona. So I'd rather be uncomfortable than be sick with something that I've successfully avoided for like two and a half years. Keep washing your hands. Remember that black lives still matter and adopt, don't shop. We'll see you next time.